Welcome to the City Church Podcast, your home for all of the audio and sermons from City Church St. Petersburg. We meet every week at 10 a.m. at the Sundial AMC Movie Theater, 151 2nd Avenue North in beautiful downtown St. Petersburg, Florida. You think back to your days as a student, for some of us that is uh, more recent than others, But if you think back to that time, most of us all had a teacher who in the moment, who when that teacher was our teacher, we seriously disliked. We really did not care for them. But then as we got older, as time went on, we realized that that might have been the best teacher we ever had. I know this is true for me. My uh, English teacher, my junior and senior year, of high school uh, was a brutally difficult grader. I have never been graded so harshly on my writing, and I didn't deserve it. I was writing well. I didn't even say writing good, see? Because she taught me not to say that. She had these incredibly long assignments with assign us huge passages of books to read every night, just a Brutally difficult teacher. But what's funny is that her influence on the way that I write, on the way that I think, on my life, continues down to this day. Even as I was writing this sermon together, I was thinking of the ways that she helped me find my voice. I was thinking of the fact that a novel that she gave me ended up being what I named one of my kids after. But her class was hard. It was really hard, really difficult. Some of the worst grades I've ever gotten in my life in that class. And what I didn't like about it was that it was hard. And that was the case because we have a cultural cultural allergy to difficulty. Think about that. We have a cultural allergy to difficulty. If it's hard, we're not big fans of it. And that's some of us. But, but what has happened as that sort of idea has become more pervasive, is this sort of culture of if it's hard, I don't want to do it has become more pervasive. Something else has happened. There's been an opposite response. It has given rise to the, the do hard things gurus, right? People that tell us that we need to wash our face or people that say that you need to make your bed every morning. That if you apply enough grit to your life, you will come out on the other side a better person. And even if you don't come out on the other side a better person, you will certainly come out on the other side more smug about the new habits that you have picked up. And so what happens is you have these two things at work. You have the rise and grind influencers And you have the other side of the culture that says, let's eat, drink, be merry. The people who say, we're not here for a long time, so let's just be here for a good time. And both of these things are sort of at war. Do we want to do hard things? Nah. Do we want to do things that provide instant gratification? That's what I want to do. That's the sort of thing I want to do. Rise and grind. No hard things. 
most of us find ourselves sort of either swinging between these two or finding our home nestled into one of the other. This was true before all this. But what's interesting is that in the midst of all of this, these same kind of things characterize us. Here's what I mean. These cultural dispositions are actually what drives the way that we are handling our lives in the midst of this pandemic. Some of us are handling this pandemic and whatever trial you can think of. This is true for all of our trials. We're handling these trials by trying to escape them. Others of us handle these trials by simply enduring them, by clenching our jaw and making our way through. But whether we are people who seek to escape or to endure, both of those fundamentally miss the point of what trials of what suffering is all about. Suffering is not something to be escaped from. Suffering is not ultimately something to be endured. Ultimately, suffering is what shapes us. It is a crucible. It's suffering is what teaches us. But in order for that to work, in order for it to shape us and teach us, we can't escape from it. We can't just grit our teeth through it. We have to actually engage with it. We have to actually see what it's doing in our lives. The church of Corinth was going through it, and Paul wrote to them about suffering. And I want to read just a little bit of what he said to them. If you're at home and you'd like, you can stand up. That's something we normally do at church. But I'm going to read 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verses 3 through 7. It says this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. City Church, this is the word of God written nearly 2,000 years ago and intended for us this morning. Paul sets out to comfort the Corinthians. They are having trials inside their church. They were having trials outside their church. Things were going wrong among their friends. Things were going wrong among their foes. Things were just not going well for the church of Corinth. And so Paul begins this second letter, and he begins it by comforting them. And he starts out by saying all the things that you'd expect him to say. God is the God of all comforts. He's the Father of all mercies. And we sort of are kind of clipping along with Paul saying, yeah, yep, that's, 
That's the kind of thing I want to hear when I'm in the midst of a trial. Yep, God is the God of mercies. Yep, God is all comfort. Neat, okay? And, and God is going to comfort us. Got it, Paul? And then something sort of changes, right? He takes a turn. Oh, by the way, do you want to share? Do you want to engage with God's comfort? By the way, the way to engage with God's comfort is to be a part of his suffering. Right? This is the record scratch moment. Wait. If I want to be comforted by God, I have to suffer. Mm, I don't know if I like that. I don't know if I want to do that. Paul says, as he works through this, Paul says that suffering is necessary for the Christian life. That's counterintuitive, isn't it? Suffering is necessary for the Christian life. A lot of us, when I say that, get a little icky feeling. Get a little resistance to that. And that's because fundamentally we still believe that my good behavior, my moral performance exempts me from suffering. Now, you probably would never say that. You would never say that. But here's what you will say. Yeah, I'm sure, yeah, I, I know I need to suffer as a Christian, but if I do enough good things... My suffering should be lighter. If I, if I read and pray enough, if I read my Bible and pray enough, my suffering should be easier. It seems like, oh, maybe, maybe that means I'll be more connected with God. Maybe that means, maybe, ask Paul how that went. Ask Isaiah, Jeremiah, Hosea, Name just about any character in the Bible. Did any of their moral performance ever lead to their lack of suffering? No. No, it didn't. You see, we try to use our religious actions to escape from suffering. Or we try to escape from suffering by serving our idols. This is especially true for those of us who struggle with, with comfort and the approval of others. In moments like this, if what we are chasing is comfort and approval, we're going to try to run away from suffering as fast as we can. We're going to find any way that we can to, to step away from it, to take our minds off. This is definitely the team that I am on. Let me just blunt this suffering, pretend it doesn't exist. But here's, here's the irony. The way to find true comfort, Paul tells us in this passage, and it's in the opposite direction of escape. The way to find true comfort is to walk through and engage with That's hard for those of us who want to escape. For those of us who want everything to just be okay. It's hard to imagine that actually engaging 
with the hard things that are going on in our lives externally and in our hearts internally is actually the way to comfort. But if we are, if we want to be comforted, we need to share in the sufferings of Christ. You see, what's interesting about suffering is it creates a sort of spiritual and emotional energy. But what happens is most of us are misusing that spiritual and emotional energy. Think about it. What have we done for the past seven weeks? As we have been socially isolated from one another, our only points of connection are social media. Have we all behaved well? Have we been thoughtful and kind to people who are different than us? Or have we blamed other people? Have we spread false news to other people? Have we shamed people who are not responding to this in the same way we have? We have taken our energy, we have taken the energy that is born from our suffering, and instead of Instead of turning that to engage and ask, what is God doing in my heart in this moment? We have taken that energy and used it to attack others, which is driving us farther apart and driving us farther from the possible comfort we could have in Christ. That energy that we have from suffering is meant to be used to ask questions. Hard questions. Like, what is God doing in my heart in this moment? What has not leaving the house? What has lack of real human social interaction done to me? What has it revealed about me? What is it telling me about my heart? How has my fear manifested itself in this time of suffering? only through suffering that we can begin to answer those questions. And when we do, we find Jesus as our comfort. You see, instead of of peppering salt into the wounds of others as we use that energy to attack, we can share comfort, but only to the degree that we are willing to walk through suffering. Only to the degree that we are willing to see suffering as our teacher. And this is different than just enduring suffering. This is a different mindset than just gritting your way through hard times. Than putting your game face on and your big boy pants and going through. This is not pandemic rise and grind. This isn't grit because, because that sort of endurance that comes from myself is just as selfish as escapism. They're both focused on me. Either me running away or me being enduring. They're both inward, selfish, focused. And you look at our passage. Paul doesn't say that we should just endure 
suffering. Somehow, in this passage, Paul wants to tell us about comfort, but he ends up telling us about suffering, and he does something that's very strange to our ears. He talks about suffering in a positive light. That's, that's weird. It's weird to talk about suffering in a positive light. It is those who have suffered who are able to comfort others. So Paul says, Paul says, if we suffer, it is so that we can comfort others. In the hands of Jesus, engaging with our suffering isn't self-centered endurance. It isn't self-centered escapism. It is actually others-centered. We suffer so that others might be It's not just a way to get away from the selfishness, but it's actually a way to selflessly love others when we engage with the process of suffering. Because this whole passage, this whole idea that Paul is talking about is based on the shape, the rhythm, and the form of Jesus. How does Jesus comfort How does Jesus reconcile us? How does Jesus redeem us? He does all of those things through his suffering. What's fascinating about Christianity, as opposed to just about every other major religion, is the way that Christianity considers suffering. God does not stand outside, apart from suffering. God does not stand out and above suffering. Rather, in Christianity, in the person of Jesus, God enters into suffering. He enters into the suffering of this world, the common suffering struggles that we all go through. But not only that, he suffers a very specific type of pain. The pain of being crucified for your sins and mine. And then Jesus invites his followers into a life of suffering. Why? Jesus invites us into a life of suffering. Because in his hands, suffering is redemptive. Suffering changes our lives and the lives of others if we will let it do its work. And not only that, Jesus invites us because we are not only united to him in his resurrection, but also in his death. And so we share in his suffering. Did you notice that Paul said that? That we share in the sufferings of Christ? We have fellowship with the sufferings of Christ? That is how we are able to offer comfort Because in his hands, suffering teaches us. Suffering shapes us. But so much more than that, suffering is redemptive. It is how we are saved. And it is how we can begin to enter into the lives of others. Do you want, church, do you want to be able to comfort people? 
Do you want to be able to turn to your friends and talk to them in a way that is meaningful about all of this? About pandemics, about social distancing, about loneliness, about addiction, about all the stuff that we're all facing in this moment. The answer is not to rise and grind and do your pandemic checklist. The answer is not to escape from the pain. The answer is actually to stop and engage with your suffering, to call it what it is, and then to ask the question, what is Jesus doing in this? Because it's out of that suffering. It's out of that suffering and sharing in the sufferings of Jesus that we're able to comfort others. For as we abundantly share in Christ's sufferings, abundantly share in suffering, then we are able to abundantly share in comfort as well. The comfort of God always comes through suffering. Through not by escaping it, not by enduring it. So then we look and see that the way Jesus has done that for us, the way that he has suffered for us, and we see that connection. Yes, quarantine and crucifixion, not the same thing, but they are both forms of suffering. So let's listen. What is suffering doing in your heart? For some of us, that's where we need to start. Some of us have spent the past 50 days running away from that question, numbing our minds to that question, sleeping away that question, filling our time so we don't have to answer that question. Some of us have spent the last seven weeks just doing things, accomplishing things so we don't have to answer. Some of us need to start and ask the question, what is God doing in the midst of this suffering in my heart? Now some of you, some of you have been asking that question. Some of you can answer that question, and to you I say, how are you sharing? If you see the ways that God is forming you through this moment of suffering in all of our lives, how are you sharing that? How are you moving into their, some, their suffering? See, God moves into our hearts through suffering on the cross. The way that we move into the lives of others, the way we begin to be able to truly comfort our friends and family is by entering into suffering. May that be what shapes and forms us as a church. Let's pray.